are in a series titled Wise Up. Everybody say Wise Up. Has anybody in this room ever done anything stupid? Anybody? Okay. Anybody still paying for something that wasn't a good decision a few years ago, yeah? How many of you guys want to make wise decisions going forward in your life? And so we started into this series because I believe that we find ourselves, especially in the state of the United States, you know, where we're at both politically, morally, uh, just, just dumb. Just some really dumb decisions are being made. And I think like never before, the church has to be wise. Everybody say amen. And so as we jump into this series, we, what we did was we were doing a study, if you will, almost, of the book of Proverbs. And Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job are considered the wisdom books in the scriptures. And Proverbs is especially kind of cool because it's almost like, you know, one-liners, drop-the-mic concepts. Um, and Proverbs is written primarily by a man by the name of Solomon. Solomon um, in 1 Kings chapter 3, we see he has this experience with the Lord. He becomes the king of Israel. And, uh, and God comes to him in the night and says, ask anything of me that you will. And Solomon, being a young man, recognizing he is in charge of God's people. That's like when my son was born. I'm like, I'm going to mess this kid's life up. I don't know what I'm doing. And he asked the Lord. He said, Lord, if you give me anything, would you give me insight, wisdom, how to lead your people. And the Lord said, not only will I do that, but because you did not ask for riches or for your enemies to be destroyed, he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you wealthy as well. And he tapped into the Hebrew word is chokmah, the wisdom of God. And the chokmah concept in Hebrew is that the creator of the earth, the creator of humanity, God, in God, he has placed within our society, within our laws of government, like, you know, I'm not talking about politically. I'm talking about, uh, you know, that trees grow in seasons and, and you know, you, if you jump off a building, you're going to hit the ground. You, these natural laws, God has woven within all of that his wisdom, his supernatural ability. So we can live in this earth no matter how crazy things get and tap into God's wisdom and make wise decisions to have our life be blessed and cause us to live uh, successful in a world that may be confusing and even broken. And so as we jumped into this whole thing, we were studying these principles. And so that's what we're going to be doing today. We're going to um, tap in today uh, with the principle of business and all, everything that, um, that, that Solomon is teaching in these books. I tried to pull out some of the key pieces. And uh, last week we looked at uh, friendship. And this week we're going to look at business. And so let's just open up with the concept or what define business. Business is the practice of making one's living by engaging in commerce. Uh, the practice of making one's living by engaging in commerce. So every one of you are involved in business. You may not own your own business. That's what some people think business is, if I own my own business. But every day you get up and you make money. Or, uh, and if you don't, you should. Because the Bible says if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. And so we engage in commerce or we engage in business. And, uh, and there's this business going on all throughout the day in our lives. And so we're going to study some of these key principles on how to make good choices in business. So as we jump in, turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 10. I'm going to read this passage to you about Solomon. Again, Solomon, uh, the Bible says that he's the wisest man. God said, I'm going to make you the wisest man to ever have lived and who will ever live outside of Jesus Christ. Solomon is considered the wisest man to ever walk, walk the earth. God gave him that wisdom. God helped him tack in, uh, tap into the chokmah 
of God, the wisdom of God. And we want to tap into that same wisdom. In 1 Kings chapter 10, the queen of Sheba comes to visit Solomon because she's heard of this crazy way in which he does business that is outside of what anybody else is doing. And just a little, uh, you know, uh, recant, I, I guess... A couple weeks ago, I said the queen of Egypt, and I, because in how I was trained um, in Bible school, we believed that the queen of Sheba was the queen of Egypt. There's no proof of that, so I, let's call me having misstated that. That's what I believe she was, but we don't know. She Actually, there's probably a lot of opinion that she was actually the queen of Ethiopia, which, come on now, that means she had that dark chocolate skin color going. Girlfriend shows up, and let's look in verse 1 of 1 Kings chapter 10. It says, when the queen of Sheba heard about the fame of Solomon and his relationship to the Lord. So she found out, like, this dude's fame and business and all this has some kind of relationship with his God, the one true God. She came to test Solomon with hard questions. Arriving at Jerusalem with a great caravan with uh, camels carrying spices, large quantities of gold and precious stones. She came to Solomon and talked with him about all that she had on her mind. Verse 3, Solomon answered all her questions. Nothing was too hard for the king to explain to her. When the queen of Sheba saw all the wisdom of Solomon and the palace he had built, pay attention, the food on his table, the seating of his officials, the attendant servants in their robes, so they're not just servants. These people are dignitaries, but they're in a serving position. And his cupbearers and the burnt offerings he made at the temple of the Lord, she was overwhelmed. Everybody say overwhelmed. His business was so legit that it blew her mind. Like how in the world? Your people are dressed better than anybody else. They stand at attention better than they do. They are honored in your house better than anything I've ever seen on the earth. And so verse 6, she said to the king, the report I have heard in my own country about your achievements and your wisdom is true. Verse 7, but I did not believe these things until I came and saw with my own eyes. Indeed, not even half was told me. In wisdom and wealth, you have far exceeded the report I had. If we'll skip down to verse 23, she, um, it continues on to say it like this. It closes out that concept. In verse 23, King Solomon was greater in riches and wisdom than some of the other kings of the earth. A few of the other kings of the earth. He was full of wisdom and greater riches than all the kings of the earth. This guy is the guy. The next verse really puts it in perspective. The whole world, some of the people of the world, the whole world sought audience with Solomon to hear the wisdom God had put in his heart. Where did he get this wisdom from? God. The hokma of God. You and I can tap into that wisdom. And here's my question to you. Does anyone want to travel to meet with you because you're so good at your business? We all can get a little bit of wisdom in business. Come on, you with me? Say yes. Are people lining up? Trying to meet with you because what you do in business is so amazing that they want to learn from you. They line up from around the world. It says the whole world sought an audience with Solomon to hear the wisdom that God had put in his heart. I'm telling you, it's time for us as Christians to tap into the hokma of God, the wisdom of God, and do our business and do it well. Are you with me today? Say yes. 
So I found this little video I thought was really neat, and I wanted to play it for you, uh, talking about people with brain injuries and people um, who have uh, mental challenges and how um, this lady, this 95-year-old lady years ago um, wanted to help these type, types of folks and what she did and what she put in perspective that actually shifted everything for these folks. And I want you to just watch this for just a second. Play that for them. Another friend of mine named Yvonne Strait, she is 95 years old. 60 years ago, she had a daughter with Down syndrome. And back then, the age expectancy of somebody with Down syndrome was four or five years old. So I told Yvonne basically to put her child in an institution and let her child die. Well, Yvonne wasn't going for that. So she searched all of the country until she found somebody who finally got her child to make a noise because her child before that didn't even cry or anything. Yvonne started Briarwood School, which is a school for children with severe learning disabilities. And then after they aged out, she founded Brookwood, which is a place in western Houston where 99 full-time citizens there, all with severe disabilities, live there, and they all have full-time jobs. Some of them might have Down syndrome, mental illness, whatever. And a lot of them are really competent men and women who got in a car or a motorcycle license and got brain impaired. So Yvonne gets all of them to have a job because she's found out over the years, anecdotally, that when people have a job, their self-esteem goes through the roof. So this guy was a big-time executive. He got in a motorcycle accident, brain impaired, and he came to Brookwood. One Friday afternoon, Yvonne's sitting in her office, and this guy's a grown man. He comes running down the hallway full speed with a piece of paper in his hand. You know, he's brain impaired. And he busts in the room where Yvonne was, and he's shaking this piece of paper, and she says, John, what's the problem? What's the problem? What's the problem? He says, Miss Straight, Miss Straight, Miss Straight, look what I got, look what I got, look what I got. She said, John, John, what'd you get, what'd you get, what'd you get? He said, I got a paycheck, I got a paycheck. I'm a real person now. Come on, somebody. You close it out right there. Thank you. Can, so so even, even the, even the non-believers have figured out that when a person works well, it, their self-esteem goes through the roof. When they have a good job or they do their business right, and this is all from the Lord, and that's why I quoted that first passage, that if a man doesn't work, the Bible says he shouldn't eat. We should all work hard, which brings me to our first big wisdom principle for business. Number one, write it down, and that is we need to be a hard worker. Everybody say Amen. Come on, come on, come on. I need you guys to help me with this one. Come on, uh, you know, you older generation. Okay, I'm counting on you here. We need to be a hard worker. I don't expect all the millennials and Gen Z to amen that, but I'm expecting you guys that are a little older to say amen to that. Come on now. And the reason why I bring that principle out, because... The wisest man on the planet who's tapped into God's wisdom has said it over and over in Proverbs. Proverbs 10 and 4. The one who is lazy becomes poor, but the one who works diligently becomes wealthy. It's a principle in God. If you work hard, the Lord will bless you in that. And, and the fruit of your uh, labors will actually produce for you. It says uh, the one who is lazy becomes poor, but the one who works diligently becomes wealthy. I engage with a lot of business people, and I've talked to scores and scores over the last 12 to 16 months of business owners and people in management positions, and they're more and more telling me how frustrated they are because somewhere something happened during the pandemic where everybody came back to work and didn't want to work anymore. It's, it's unbelievable. Talk to any managers. You talk to anybody who oversees people. And it's like, it's like they're mad about having to work. Something got stolen from us through that process that we think the government's going to bail us out, you know, when we can just wake up at 9 o'clock, you know, look through TikTok and social media through the night, play our video games, you know, stay up till 1, 2 o'clock in the morning, and then we're going to get up a little later, and then we want to work from home, and we want to be able to have our dogs sit in our lap as we do Zoom calls and that kind of stuff. All that. I'm not, I'm not 
God negating any of that. I'm just simply saying the Bible teaches us to work hard. If you work hard, you be said, it says literally, the diligent becomes wealthy. How about Proverbs 10, 26? As vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes. I don't drink vinegar, so I don't know how that feels on the teeth, but it must suck. Uh, but smoke to the eyes. I've been around enough campfires to know what the smoke in the eyes is like. That is a You start dipping and trying. The wind starts pushing it that way. As smoke to the eyes, so is a sluggard to those who sent him. So is a lazy person to those who sent them. And most people I talk to don't think they're lazy. They think they're creative. I think what you need to do is ask your boss if you're lazy or your coworkers if you're lazy. And uh, because um, the, the, this description is pretty frustrating, right? Like how frustrating is this description as smoke to the eyes? So you got somebody you work with, somebody you work uh, for. Have you anybody ever had a lazy manager or supervisor? Oh my Jesus! Anybody ever had uh, employees that were lazy that worked for you? Anybody had anybody had children in you? Anyway, so we'll move right along. It says, it says, it says, <laughs> it says it's to those. It's uh, it's frustrating to those who actually send them. How about Proverbs twelve and eleven? A hard worker has plenty of food. Come on, somebody. But a person who chases fantasies has no sense. There is no shortcuts in good labor. See it through. See it through. Literally, it tells us very It says, a hard worker has plenty of food, but a person who chases fantasies has no sense. You ever had a dreamer in your life that they, they wouldn't be faithful to a job, but they always had this new scheme they were coming up with? I'm telling you right now, I've seen people literally quit everything they were doing, and they're going to they're buy and sell cryptocurrency. Like, are you out of your mind? It's okay to have a little small investment over here, but you're part of your portfolio. But are you Why? Investing in these fantasies comes up short every time. Be a hard worker. Be diligent to the labor in front of you and accomplish the task that the Lord has entrusted you with. How about Proverbs 15, 19? A lazy person's way is blocked with briars. But the path of the upright is an open heaven. Do you understand? I find this thing that people, it, when you have someone lazy that works with you or alongside of you, guess what? They always have excuses why they can't succeed in the task. The Bible literally says a lazy person's way is blocked with briars. So it's a picture. Have you ever been in a real thick wooded area and you're trying to go and there's too many briars and you can't get past them? And so you got to back up. And, you gotta, and literally, this is what a lazy person life is like. It says, but a hardworking person, literally, the Lord opens up the highways. they got more uh, 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 success and opportunity. Why? Because they're diligent. They work hard. They're consistent. They're in, it, they're in it on a daily basis. Can I tell you something? Hard workers show up early. Hard workers stay a little later. Hard workers get the job done, and as a result, people in leadership go, let's promote them. Let's get them showing the rest of our employees how to actually accomplish something in life. Lazy people, on the other hand, are always looking for a shortcut. I was in uh, our famous, uh, uh, you know, uh, big box store, uh, hardware store last night at about 10 o'clock at night, nah, 9 o'clock. And uh, I was trying to get something, and I watched four employees look at me and then turn and keep talking to each other as I stood at the desk waiting for help. Four of them looked at me and then kept talking. The other one looked at me and like, that's called lazy. That's called lazy. And the big box store is doing its best to train people, but at the end of the day, those people don't want to work, and at the end of the day, they'll never be promoted. They'll never be promoted. And so, you know, I've gotten to that age. You know when you've gotten old, when you want to start helping everybody else with their employees. 
I tell my mother-in-law all the time, why are you going to try to help them? You know, I just think they need to know. I just, I'm, I'm going to teach them a principle right now. Lady, they're not listening to you. Don't even fool it. Don't throw your pearl before swine. John Maxwell teaches this. To have success with whether a person's successful or unsuccessful in business, it comes down to two things. Desire and ability. Desire and ability. So a person who's really successful in business, in life, has desire. They want to accomplish something great. And that matches up with their ability to accomplish something great. So as a leader, what I've learned over the years is I find someone who's not being successful, and I look and I try to delve down into them. Are you, do you have a lack of desire or do you have a lack of ability? Lack of ability for me is a little easier because, look, I just show you how to do it. If you have desire, I can show you how to do it. That's easy. The lack of desire is the difficult one. Is it motivating people? And so that's why you find when you're around me, I'm always motivating you. I'm always saying, come on, you can do this. You can do this. Come on, you got this. You got this. Why? Because if the heart becomes hard or if you become so discouraged that you can't get back up on, on your feet and try again, and this is what happens to most people. They run into, most people aren't truly lazy. They just run into some obstacles when they're younger. They have a couple of negative things happen in their life, and no one kicks them in the butt and says, step up out of that. Let's go. And when you raise your children that way, you raise your children to be lazy because you don't want them to have to go through what you went through. What you create is a lazy generation that can't accomplish anything and can't stand for anything. And so this is why you need to have clear distinctives in your household. I'm going to make sure that my children work hard. All of my children work hard. And it came down to one thing. Years ago, I was a traveling minister. And I had a best friend who was a traveling minister. And he, he's about 15 years older than me. He stood on the stage with Billy Graham, very famous guy. And he told me this story. He said, Adam, my kids are now coming into adulthood. And he goes, and I made a major mistake. I said, what? He goes, it wasn't that I wasn't there for them because I was traveling so much. He said, I would come home. And they had been lazing around. He goes, I just didn't want to whoop them when I hadn't seen them in two weeks because I've been preaching in Africa or wherever. He goes, and so I just really didn't push a strong work ethic in my children. He says, and now my oldest son is married with two kids and can't hold a job. He's constantly lazy, losing jobs, getting fired, things like that. He goes, if I could ever go back and do it again, well, the first thing I would do is make sure that my children had a work ethic. He said, because you can be a pervert and still finance your family because you work hard. He said, you, can, you, can, you don't even have to love Jesus, and if you work hard and have a good job, you can take care of your children. And he goes, my son loves the Lord, but he can't take care of his family, and it's an embarrassment to him, his wife, his children, and to me as his dad. Teach the young people how to work hard. It's a principle in Scripture. And, and Solomon literally says to us, those who work hard will be wealthy. Are you with me today? Say yes. Here's a second great principle in business, and that is operate with integrity. We see this all throughout the book of Proverbs. He's constantly speaking this in Proverbs 10.9. People with integrity walk safely, but those who follow crooked paths will slip and fall. People who walk with integrity, they walk safely. But those who follow crooked paths will slip and fall. Integrity means doing the right thing in all situations at all times. Or as Dr. King said it, the time is always right to do what is right. Come on, you can get a better amen than that. The time is always right to do what is right, even if it takes a little bit out of you. Listen, you've you got to learn to show up on time. You've got to learn to let your yes be yes and your no be no. This is integrity. If you say you're going to do it, then do it. If you're not going to do it, don't tell them you're going to do it. This is what frustrates people, especially in business. You know what that's like. You know what it's like to have someone tell you they're going to accomplish the task and they don't do it. And they have all these excuses. That's a lack of integrity. 
my wife, uh, you know, went to our youth group back in the day when I was, uh, you know, a young minister, and uh, and she was dating this guy, and I always gave her a hard time for it um, because I was her pastor, because uh, this guy would ne- had zero integrity. He would promise to be at things, and he would never show up. He would say he would be there, and he'd show up an hour late. And what I think he was doing was overcommitting to everyone because he had this big, big heart, but he had no character and integrity, and he didn't like to ever disappoint anybody to their face, so he would tell them one thing that he knew good and well he couldn't accomplish. That's a lack of integrity. He thought he was being kind and generous and nice, but at the end of the day, the best thing you could ever tell somebody is, no, I can't do that. I'm so sorry. I can't commit to that. You know, I teach at a Bible school, and the class that I teach is called personal discipleship. It's one of the core classes that I teach. And one of the things I teach all these young up-and-coming ministers is you need to have a mentor in your life. You need to have somebody that's speaking into you, someone that's holding you accountable. And without fail, uh, just about half of them all the time walk up to me, would you be my mentor? Would you, Pastor Ed, would you be my mentor? And I tell every one of them, no. Knowing that I'm going to break their heart because they're so, you know, they're just like, I'm going to give you this spot in my life that I won't give anyone else, Pastor Adam. You, I trust with the deep things of who I am. Would you be my mentor? And I tell them, no. And they, they, you can see it come across their face like, you just rejected me deeply. And I have to tell them, I'm already mentoring a group of people. There's no space left. I would have to kick one of them out of my relational space to put you in. I don't have that space. And so if I, I want to say yes to you because I can see the purity in your heart. But if I say yes to you, what I'm going to do is disappoint you because I don't have the ability to follow through on that yes. And I have enough of character and integrity in my life to tell you no, even though it may hurt you a little bit right now, it's going to be good for you and me in the long run because I want to keep my integrity high and my character high. Are you with me today? Say yes. And so he literally teaches us walk in integrity. Look at Proverbs 13, 22. A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. The second part of this is, but a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. Boy, back in old school charismatic days, we claim all that. The wealth of the wicked stored up for the righteous. Woo, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I, don't, I think we had in our mind that they just start writing us checks. I don't know why. I'm supposed to give you all my money. It's not what it's teaching. It's actually teaching is that and when you don't have integrity and you are and, and you are making lots of money, all you're doing is storing it up to give to the righteous. It's gonna come, it's gonna slip out of your hands because you don't have integrity and you don't have character, and God's gonna allow it supernaturally. The God who oversees the universe, he's gonna allow it to go into the hands of somebody with integrity because you don't have it. So you might be popular right now, you might be cool right now, everybody might be shouting your name because you got so much money and you've done so well in business, but because you lack integrity, it's gonna slip through your hands and someone with integrity is going to grab a hold to it and they will be entrusted with it for the future to come. Are you with me today? Say yes. Come on, you still there? Say yes. Come on, black folks. Teach these white people to preach back. All right, I need your help. Proverbs 16 and 8. Better a little with righteousness than much gain with injustice. You do better to have integrity and have little than have a whole lot with a lack of integrity. I don't know about you, but it's hard to find a mechanic with integrity. Anybody know what I'm talking about? If you're a mechanic, we're going to give you more business. Just walk in integrity. I found, finally, a group. I, I'll tell you what happened to me was years ago when we first moved here, from where I'm from in Louisiana, I knew all the people who could get my car fixed. I knew the ones you didn't go to. I knew the ones that you went to. You're going to spend a little bit more, and they're going to push you a little extra, but that's okay because they're going to do it right. And then I knew the ones that they would do you right every time. I moved here. I didn't know anybody. And so I had to go through the trial and error. And I'll never forget, I was out of country 
preaching overseas somewhere. My wife, she sends me an email that something's wrong with her minivan, and she found a little place over here off 67 to go to a little small little group, and, they, and she was getting her oil changed. But while she was getting oil changed, they said, oh, my goodness, your transmission's going out. So she goes, well, what should I do? My husband's out of country. I can't really, oh, we need to replace that now. It's going to blow up. You're going to be left on the side of the road with these brand new little babies in the car. You better get this fixed. And well, how much would it be? All oh, about three, four hundred dollars. Thousand dollars later, and I come home and I see it, I'm hot. And I go up there and I find that little joker. And I'm looking, I'm praying in tongues because I have to when I'm that angry. And I, put, I push him up against the wall like that, and I said, let me, you got me this time. But I promise you, you will not be in business in a year. I will make your life miserable because you're a liar and a cheat. There was no need to replace the transmission in my wife's. In fact, you didn't do jack squat diddly because I got up under there. I'll see any new parts, and I don't know enough about cars to know that you did me wrong in this. And the Lord judge against you and me. And the Lord be against you. That guy was shut down within a year. On the other hand, I found a little small group of fellas. They've been around for forever. A bunch of little, a bunch of little white dudes, you know, country. Ah, oh, man, I'm going to bring it on in here, man. we look at them. And so, man, look, every time. They, they have returned my car to me more times saying, oh, wasn't nothing wrong with it. You just, your wife didn't do this in it or didn't do that for it. And I was like, man, thank you. How much? I figured the 200 sur surcharge just to bring it to them. Oh, don't worry about it. We'll get you next time when you bring it in with something really wrong. I bring my car to them. I'm not going to tell you who they are because I don't want them to get more business so that they can't do my work. I'll just tell you, <laughs> just tell you right now because they've got so much integrity. How about Proverbs 22:16? A person who gets ahead by oppressing the poor. This is the problem with the United States. The people who have oppressed the poor. People who get ahead by oppressing the poor or by showering gifts on the rich, kissing up to the rich, greasing their palms, says those people will end in poverty. It'll happen every time. You take care of the poor, the Lord says, and I'll take care of you. You watch out for those who are experiencing justice, and I'll watch out for you. The scriptures are full of that. The Bible literally teaches. That's why it ticks me off when I see these little ca ca uh, check cashing places. Because someone has to go do that because they're in trouble. And they're going to charge them 27 to 30-something percent interest on that little deal. And now you're in a cycle. You've got to pay them back on this interest, and you've got to do this. And you're trying to get the car fixed over here. Boy, the Lord will deal with those people. I don't want to be on the backside of his judgment on people who lack integrity when it comes to people who are hurting and have difficulty. That's why we, the church, have to speak truth, and we have to live in integrity so we can help others. How about this bribing people? i got a friend who's a contractor, and he's in the area. And he told me what it takes. He, he builds for the cities and he talks to and he talks to me all the time they're 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 full of character and integrity his company every morning they wake up uh, and they have all the employees hundreds of employees and they do bible study together they pray over these guys and then they go off to the job sites and they build these buildings and all these things that they're doing and you know what he told me he said you can't i can't tell you how often I'm expected to give a bribe to pay off some, some council person or some person who has the ability to give the contract to us or give it to somebody else and he says we refuse to do it he said, we refuse to do it. He said, so we've missed some really multi, multi-million dollar jobs. He goes, but I'm telling you what, I won't do it because of this scripture right here. There's a person who gets ahead by oppressing the poor or by showering gifts on the rich will end in poverty. Are you with me today? Say amen. amen. Here's the third big teaching in business that the, the great Solomon gives us and it's in the word of God. And that is, he teaches us to be generous. Everybody say generous. generous. Say it like you mean it. Generous. generous. 
Ah, you don't mean it. All right, Proverbs 11, 24. <laughs> Generous. Anyway, give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. People curse those who hoard their grain, but they bless those, the one who sells in time of need. Y'all know what that's like? When we have ice storms and somebody goes up there and they jack up the prices on everything and we're trying to just survive, the Lord says he will deal with them. He says we need to be generous. You and I should offer great products or services at a charge that's reasonably priced. That's integrity. Be generous. Be generous with your effort for your employer. Be generous. Do your best. Don't hold back. There's a pet food supply company, I guess you call it. I have a dog at my house. Well, my wife has a dog. I have a wife. I have a dog because I love my wife. Not because I want a dog. I don't want a dog. But my wife wanted a dog, and I want to be with my wife. So there you go. In fact, the other day, she came running into the house, and I got home a little bit sooner than she did. I'm sitting at the kitchen table. She goes, hey, and walks right past me, goes to the back door, and starts hugging the dog. I was like, oh, no, sir. That's not happening. We've tightened that up quickly. We straighten that up. But it must be once or twice. Well, no, every other day. Packages arrive at my house from this one company. I don't even know if we need these packages. I just know that they are making a ton of money off of me. It's a company called Chewy. <clears throat> and I kept asking my wife, baby, why do we, why do we, keep, I mean, you just go to Walmart. Oh, no. Chewy. Chewy this and Chewy that. And I was like, how in the world has these people wormed their way into my life and have about 12% of my budget going to Chewy? It's almost as much as my tithe. Chewy has wormed their way into my life. I want to show you. Let me bring me that. I want to show you how they did that. Because they got a, a picture of my wife's dog. They had an artist paint a portrait and then send it to her as a gift for being a good customer. They have figured out that generosity creates loyalty. Are you with me today? Be generous. Be generous. You don't have to be stingy. You know what it's like to be stingy. Someone's stingy and you're like, well, how much is it? Well, you know, will you get any additions to this? Nope. Nothing. When we're generous in business, the Bible literally says it opens up the hearts of everyone. It makes people go, you know what? I want to do business with you because you know what? You could have taken advantage of me in that moment, but you were generous to me. You know what? You threw it. Listen, listen every one of us know what it's like to go to a, to a you know, uh, someplace where they got a little. Remember when the banks used to give suckers to all the kids? Woo! I didn't care where my mom and dad banked. We go into that one. It's got the suckers. That, those people are good people. That little bit of generosity created this loyalty. Why? Because we all love when someone who's doing well spreads that out with us. This is why the younger generation keeps literally talking bad against, you know, you know the free market system in the United States because they see this great gap between the wealthy and the not-so-wealthy, and they want to tax the wealthy to give more generosity. 
It's a broken concept because you got human nature and sin nature all connected to it. But at the end of the day, if you do any kind of research, you'll find that the United States is the most generous nation in the history of the world. To this day, no matter what kind of tragedy happens, we just start sending money. We just start sending money. And so God will bless that because he blesses generosity. Are you with me today? Say yes. Some of you are stingy in your business. You hold back your heart. You hold back your heart from your employer. You hold back your time from your employer. You say, nope, I get paid 35 hours because I'm part-time and you won't give me, you won't give me benefits. So I'm going to give you part-time mentality. And you're not generous. And because you're not generous, you're not blessed. And literally, the great king, Solomon, who had tapped into the, 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 the hukma of God, the wisdom of God, is telling us, be generous and the Lord will bless you. Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Say it with me. The generous, generous. will prosper. prosper. Say it again. The generous, the generous. will prosper. prosper. Proverbs eleven seventeen. still in this thought of generous or being generous, your kindness will reward you, but your cruelty will destroy you. It's amazing, even having a bad day in your business, if you can be kind. If you're a teacher, if you can be kind to those students who need to be shot and buried out in the backyard, if you can be kind to them, <laughs> you just, just start over. No, but if, you, can you, if I was God, I would have started over with the earth multiple times. I'm just telling you, it wouldn't have been just one flood. I'd have found ways like, nah, control, alt, delete, reboot, restart. Be kind. Literally, he says, if you're kind, it will reward you. Cruelty will destroy you. Giving them what they deserve is not going to advance the processes of your life. Being kind to people who don't deserve it. I'm telling you, I, I used to fly a whole lot. I fly just about once a month now doing ministry trips and stuff. And I'm telling you, these people who work at the airport are saints. I'm going to tell you right now, you come up to that desk rolling your neck at me, back in the day where I'm from, I just lay out. I just like, whop. Just whop. <laughs> I don't care. If you're big, I'll hit you with something and run. But these people have to have such kindness. I know, ma'am, I am so sorry that you got here 20 minutes late for check-in, but oh my goodness, we're going to try to put you on another flight. It may be tomorrow. Oh my God. Ah! And the, and the kindness, and then every now and then you get a mama who ain't putting up with it no more. I ain't want this job to begin with, and she just go out on them, and those are the best videos <laughs> online ever. All right, it brings us to number four in reference to business, and that is be aware of the problems with success. He literally warns us about the problems with su success, and I, I think what's happened as we raise our children, we don't explain to them all we want to be successful, be successful. Well, there's problems with success. And let me just lay out a couple of the Proverbs for you. Proverbs 14, 4. Without ox, a stable stays clean, but you need a strong ox for a large harvest. So since you're not an agricultural person, probably, you don't really catch the, the truth in this. So what he's saying is, if you got oxen, you got poop. But you got to have the ox... To hook up to the plow to bring in your harvest and so if you thought you wanted to be a rich farmer but you thought you could do it without poop you're dumb there's got to be successful you're gonna have to have some poop involved which means part of your life is gonna be shoveling poop while making it rich 
And somehow we've taught a younger generation, oh, bless the Lord, it's going to be so wonderful to be successful, and you can just do online stuff, and there's no, listen, you doing business means there's poop in the stall. You got to work with poopy people. You're going to have to deal with them. You might as well just embrace it. Say, woo, I learned how to have fun, scooping poop, because I'm going to be rich through this process. We're going to get there, praise God. There is difficulty with success. There is, it's hard to work with people. It's hard to interact with people. You've got customers, you've got bosses, you've got employees, you've got other workers that work with you that make your job difficult. This is a part of being successful, is that without the ox, you've got a clean stable, but you can't bring in the harvest. So if you're going to bring in the harvest, you've got to have an ox, and that ox is creating poop, and you've got to shovel it. Welcome to life. You just need to understand that. Here's another thought about business that has some problems connected to it, and that is Proverbs 15, 16. A simple life in the fear of God is better than a rich life with tons of headaches. Everybody who wants to be rich, careful. I think about, I think about Michael Jackson all the time. Do you know how many leeches was on that dude? How many people were sucking him dry? Because the more money he made, the more he had to pay people to do stuff. I mean, he tried to have, you know, Jackson Disneyland at his house. So think about it. He had to have people who knew how to take care of these animals. They're pay he's paying them. He don't even know what they're doing all day long. He's got people who's asking him for money from his family. He's got people hitting him. He's got people taking advantage of him. Listen, there is a pain to pay when it comes to success. There are things that you got to manage things that you never thought you would have to manage before. And now all of a sudden you're running around and people are asking this stuff of you. Give you a couple of stats. Lotto winners. All you guys thinking you're going to hit the billion dollar piece? Let me just, 70% of lotto winners end up broke. That's right. 44% of winners spend their time, <clears throat> excuse me, spend their entire fortune in less than five years and then file for bankruptcy. That's crazy. Crazy. And the reason that is, is because if you get a bunch of wealth without knowing how to manage step at a time, step at a time, that's why what you want to do is you want to increase in small increments in your value and your hard work because along that increase, increasing comes lessons on how to manage a little bit more money. See, if you won't tithe off of $30,000 a year, you'll never tithe off of $300,000 a year. Just saying. If, you, if you're not generous when you ain't got nothing, you'll never be generous when you got something. And so you get yourself in this endless cycle of brokenness, and then you don't understand. You're working your tail off making all this money, but you don't know where it's going, and you're miserable, and you don't enjoy your life, and you lose your relationship with your spouse, and you lose your kids. I had, in my life, I, had, um, I, I wanted to be wealthy. I had a, a, we grew up pretty poor. I know what that government cheese is all about. Those of you that don't know about it, don't worry about it. You know, you, the Lord bless you. But I know what it is to stand in line waiting for a handout and the embarrassment they're in. know what it is to not have the clothes that all the other kids have or not be able to have my own baseball glove in, in Little League. I know what all those things are like. And so I had an uncle who was the youngest millionaire in, in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, the capital city where we were at uh, back in the 80s. He made it big in the oil industry. I know what it is. But I'll tell you something. At the end of his life, he, looked, he wrote me a letter and he said, you chose the better way. Because he lived for wealth and, uh, and, and, it, and it literally destroyed him. His children didn't really love him by the end of his life. 
went through, you know, lived a life that was, you know, really, I don't want to dishonor him too much uh, publicly, but, but let me just tell you like this. Better a little with the Lord than great riches with all kinds of difficulties. Are you with me today? Say yes. Come on, you believe that? Say yes. All right, I got to keep moving for the sake of time here. And here's the fifth big principle that he teaches us, and that is we need to develop a skill. Proverbs 22, 29. Observe people who are good at their work. Are you good at your work? Yes. All right, three of you. Good. Thank you for being honest. The rest of you are like, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. Observe people who are good at their work. How does someone become good at their work? Practice. Working hard. Learning. Increasing their skill. Okay? Skilled workers are always in demand and admired. They don't take a back seat to anyone. That's the message. The message Bible. They don't take a back seat because they're skilled. You think about it. The moment you are in great need, you're thinking, I need someone who is skilled at this. I do not want a dentist who's average. Right? I don't want a pilot who just got out of school. Like, nah, dude, I need somebody that's like got some, some hours. Like, I need to know that in a that in a, tri in a bad situation, you can get me out of it. I want a skilled individual, don't you? Yes. Well, are you that for others? Develop a skill. Work hard at development. What are you known for? What are you good at? What can you do? Are you the best salesman in your company? Are you, uh, listen, are you the, come on, Tony, say amen. Yes, sir, he is. Are you, are you, are you the top producer in your area? Are you the one that they, they like, well, we don't have anybody else to replace her, so we just keep her. Are you the best administrator in that entire school? Do they come to you and say, could you show us how to do that? You say, baby, let me tell you something. It took me years. I'll start you down the pathway, but let me tell you what I've had to learn. First off, coffee machines are full of the devil. Okay, girlfriend? Mike Rowe, who's the dirtiest job of guys, have you ever seen this stuff? He stood in front of Congress multiple times because there is something that shifted in the United States about 30 years ago, 40 years ago. We began raising our children, telling them you need to go to college, get a college degree. And in the process of that, what we accidentally did was we negated the trades, plumbers, contractors, things like that, the trades. And so we devalued them. We didn't mean to, but we devalued them. And there are right now, there are 7 million available jobs in the trades. Yet at the same time, 7.3 million jobs right now in the trades, and they can't fill them. At the same time, we've got, uh, what is this, uh, seven, 2 million, uh, 70, uh, 7.2 million able-bodied young men between the ages of men between the ages of 25 and 54 that are not working, nor are they looking for work. 7.2 men with the ability to work, not that they have something wrong with them, but they're not even looking for work. And yet we've got this big deficiency here with 7.3 million jobs that are available and no one to work them. And now what has happened is the trades are actually making more money than the white collar in a per hour type of piece. And so instead of dishonoring the trades, what we should do is tell our, look at our children, and if our kid's pretty good 
with their hands, not discount that, but say, baby, instead of, you know you're never going to pass that, that bar exam. So listen, <laughs> let's just be honest with this thing. Let's just own the fact that you ain't got enough attention to detail to be a surgeon, even though mama wants that. Oh, my Jesus, I want that so bad. But you're going to end up being sued so much, ain't no way you're going to be able to do this thing because your bedside manners. <laughs> anyway, and so I think you should consider using going into this field or this field or let them try it out. The reason why I say that is because a person who is skilled, according to Scripture, is highly sought after. What are you skilled in? Are you sitting in a dead-end job just because someone told you that's what you should do? Or are you just trying to make, develop a skill? You'll stand before kings with your skill. People of high caliber will sit, seek you out. Because this is out of the scriptures. This isn't Pastor Adam's idea on what you should do or what we should do. And so at the end of the day, are you attempting to master anything? What are you good at? What are you great at? What are you master? To play in the Masters Golf Tournament. Do you know how many buckets of balls they hit a day? Thousands of balls hit me. Those guys, those guys can hit a pitching wedge, you know, 160 yards, 180 yards. I mean, eyes closed. Put it within 10, 15 feet of the hole. Why? My, 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 my pastor uh, played professional golf. He was a pro. And he said growing up that what his coach did was he put these giant black ants on the ones that don't bite or sting, and he put them all over him and then make him hit 100 balls. And there, he said they're crawling in your nose just to learn concentration so he can master the game. He's doing that from a young age. Have you put any fortitude into mastering anything? Are you great? Are you known at being the best or one of the best in any area of life? Or are you just getting through, trying to make a living, just trying to make it through? This is what the wisest man on the earth was teaching us and tapping into God's wisdom. Master something and they'll seek after you all your days. Here's number six. We've got a couple more we've got to get through. Here's the sixth big principle that I found throughout this book of Proverbs that he was teaching us, and that is careful wearing yourself out. So there's this balance, you know, work-life play. But Proverbs chapter 23, verse 4 and 5 says, Do not wear yourself out trying to get rich. Somebody say amen. amen. Try it again. Do not wear yourself out by getting rich. Amen. amen. Be wise enough to know when to quit. Yeah. Takes wisdom to say, you know what? I just can't take on another job right now. I know it'd be good money, but man, it's going to cost me with my family. It's going to cost me with my relationship with the Lord. Be wise enough to know, don't wear yourself. In the blink of an eye, wealth disappears. For it will spring, sprout wings and fly away like an eagle. I've done more counseling with people who are trying to get rich and destroyed their relationship. Destroyed their marriage, destroyed their family. They thought they were the American dream. They were trying to live the American dream. They're trying to provide for their children what they never had. Let me just say something. That concept is a broken concept. Because you are who you are today because you went with what you went through. And so you extract that going through difficulty and hardship from your child, and they won't be able to do anything by the time they're an adult. Oh, I just don't want them to go through what I went through. Listen, there are some things that you went through that made you the strong man that you are today. The strong woman that you are today. No, they should never have to go through, you know, kind of suffrage where they got molested or something crazy. like That's not what I'm talking about. But it's good for them to have to wake up early. It's good for them to have responsibilities around the house. Teach them to be a responsible husband one day. Teach them to be a responsible wife one day. 
And so, so this concept, I just don't want them to go through any, like, what we, I want to bless, I want to be sure that they got, you're killing yourself so that they don't ever learn how to be responsible. And so, uh, why? What, what, what do they need? How many jet skis do you need to have? How much, how much, I mean, how much, they, they need to see that, you know, we don't have the money to eat out every week like those other families. We eat at home, it's cheaper, it's better for us. Makes us sit around the table and talk. Instead of running through the drive-thru or having it dropped off to us. It's good to do that ever, and teach them that kind of process of being careful of wearing ourselves out. Proverbs 13, 11, Wealth gained quickly will dwindle away. But the one who gathers it little by little will become rich. Think like this. You're going to add just a little bit, 10%, a little bit more each year. 10%, your value is going to go up in your house a little bit. Your value is going to go back uh, in this decision you're making. Will this thing that you purchase, will it have value down the road? Will it not have value down the road? Little bit by little bit is how you get rich. We had an amazing uh, miracles father set right here for years in our church, and he ended up ha having you know something difficult in his body, and he passed away. But when he passed away, he's just a good, hardworking gentleman. But the houses over the years would come available next to him. And, uh, and he realized that he could just go get his name on a loan on that and then rent that thing. And when he passed away, he had multiple rental properties that took care of his family. He didn't do anything big and extravagant. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't, little by little, he buy one, and four or five years later, another little one come available, and his credit was good enough, did he put his name on that one? And he put renters in it. He managed that a little bit. And when he retired, the funnest thing he said he'd like to do was just go work on the little rental properties. He'd go fix something. He said, it was the joy of my life. And how did he become wealthy? Little by little. This get rich quick doesn't work. It doesn't work. It destroys you at the end of it all. If I can just get a windfall. No, if you can just be consistent day in and day out, God will bless you in that small thing. And then it doesn't wear you out. Here's number seven. Here we go. Number seven. You still with me? Say yes. yes. You still love me? Say yes. yes. Number seven. Put Jesus first in your business. Amen. Proverbs 16, 3. Commit to the Lord whatever you do and your plans will succeed. You, put you, you wake up every morning, Jesus, how can I make you great in my business today? What I got to do at this school, what I got to do in this business, what I got to go do working at Walmart, Lord, how can I make you great in this moment? How can I, I'm committed to you. You tell me how to do this thing. You tell me how to deal with these customers. You tell me how to get this business up and going. You, you show me, I'll do it your way. Whatever the Bible says, I'll do it that way. And it says your plans will succeed. Anybody ever heard of Hobby Lobby? The Green family? You know about the Green family? So uh, Mr. Green uh, was working at TGY. Anybody remember TGY back in the day? That's more of a local, yeah. So it was one of the big original box stores, TGY. He's working TGY and realized he was going nowhere. So he got a $600 loan and he, started, he said he was going to start him a little framing company. He got his kids in the, in the garage and they started making little frames and his kids would stand out in front of places and still sell picture frames to people. And that's where Hobby Lobby came from. They bring in over five billion a year now. Five b -b -b billion. But the Greens have completely committed to Jesus in their business. So LGBTQ hates them. They're always going after them. Uh, all these different anti-Jesus type places hate them, always going after them, attacking them. But let me just give you what it says from their website. Uh, li literally, uh, Wikipedia calls them a Christian-owned company. And they say that they incorporate American conservative values and Christian media. David Green, honoring the Lord is what he says. Honoring the Lord, Lord in all we do by operating the company in a manner consistent with biblical principles. 
All stores are closed on Sundays to allow employees time to fa uh, for family and worship. According to the signs, they put them all over all their stores. This is where we're going to be. And can I just say this to you? For the last 20 years, they have increased their pay scale every year for the last 20 years. Last year, starting pay coming into Hobby Lobby was $18 an hour. Starting pay, $18 an hour. I thought about working there on the side. <laughs> Since y'all ain't been tithing real good, I'm like, I'm going to have to get a little side hustle going over here. I'm just, I mean, well, you, we do need to tithe, but, but that's not the point here. Can you imagine that? Why? Because they're blessed. Picture frames. Like, I go in there, I don't want to buy nothing. My wife's, oh, we got to have this, and we got to have this. I'm like, wow. And these guys give more to ministries. In fact, I don't know if you know this about the Greens, but they are major, 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 major ministry giving. I know people, so they have a side of their company that if you appeal to them because you're a church planner, you're trying to plan a church, you don't have the money to get a building, they will consider all of your finances and they will give you money to get a building. They have finance. Oral Roberts University was about to go under a Christian university, and the Greens came in and put millions of dollars in to save that university. And now it's a thriving Christian university. They have done that over and over and over again with ministries around the United States and around the world. Why? Because of this one thing. Jesus is first in their business. They don't care if you don't like it. They don't care if you don't like the Christian music they're playing in their, in their, in their stores. They don't care. Jesus is first. We're going to do it his way. And as a result, God blesses it. What if you change the way you're doing some of your business to put Jesus first? Bring a little bit more character and integrity and stop, and stop you know, cursing everybody out behind closed doors. And you start acting like Jesus in your business. I'm not talking about small business. I'm not talking about a business owner. I'm talking about you and I doing commerce throughout the day. Putting Jesus first in that. Imagine what could happen. And this is the last one. And this is a critical piece for me. This is number eight. Um, I, I call it my wealth promise. Um, it's out of Proverbs 10:22. I claim this every morning when I wake up. The blessing of the Lord brings wealth without painful toil for it. Ooh, somebody ought to say amen. Somebody ought to grab a hold of that. The blessing of the Lord brings wealth without painful toil. Not without toil, without painful toil. The reason why this passage is even opposing to the prosperity gospel is because the prosperity gospel is rooted in you give a dollar, God's going to give you $10. It's this manipulation piece of the goodness of God. That's not at all what the Bible teaches us. As believers, the Bible teaches us if we work hard, if we have integrity in our business, if we treat people right, we will be blessed and we don't have to have painful toil in the process of it. You do not have to have painful toil. You can have toil without pain. You can be blessed and God will watch after you as you live the principles of God. You treat people well. You act, you, you, you're gracious with people. You're kind with people. You do your business with character and integrity and God says because of that you just won't be able to hold back all the favor that comes to you it'll just come to you because why because people want to work with people who do their job right people want to work with people who are hard working people want to engage with other people who are kind and generous and at times when they make a mistake and they know it wasn't your fault but they they, they made the mistake and you say that's okay baby just go ahead we, we're not gonna charge you for that just go on hit through that it's okay we got you on that one just know that we care about you we want your business back anything we can do get your business back and when you make it make a mistake in business you say i 
blew that. I just want to say that. The other day I was with something and I was working on something and I brought it back in the room and said, guys, I blew that. That was on me. I am so sorry. And everybody looked at me like the boss said he was sorry and that he blew it. And you know, because this one over here is like, I've been working on this for a week all because of a stupid decision passed out of me. No, 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 no. And when I said, I'm sorry, I blew that. How can I fix that? They go, that's a guy I want to keep working with because we all make mistakes, but I have enough character, integrity, and generosity in me to say, I blew that one. I don't, I'm sorry for what it created in you. When you and I do our business well, the Lord's able to bless us and bless others through us. And this has been the breakdown is that Christians act one way at church and another way in their daily business. And it's time to bring Jesus into our daily business. Are you with me today? Say yes. Stand quickly across the room. Hey, thank you for joining us online here at Hill City. We're so honored that you would take the time to join us remotely and to celebrate the goodness of Jesus. I hope that word spoke to you. I hope that you were blessed today, and I hope that you are encouraged to go forth in the confidence of Jesus this week, wherever you are. If you made a decision today uh, to serve Jesus for the first time, we want to celebrate with you. Would you text DECIDED to 469 606 2684 and uh, we want to respond and again just connect with you and celebrate the beginning of an amazing discipleship journey with jesus don't forget next week we are here again same place same time nine o'clock and until then we hope you have an amazing week